It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers. Your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. And you are locked on Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which also happens to be part of the CBS network. Now, we were purchased yesterday by CBS and uh, 24-7 Sports. I have no idea what that means for me. But anyways, you are locked on Packers. We are part of Scout.com, and I'm happy to have you listening. Thanks, as always, for doing that. And if you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it via iTunes and Android app, and please Check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network, which includes Locked On NFL, Locked On NFL Draft, and Locked On Fantasy. And of course, check out my website, PackerReport.com, which again is owned by CBS now, and I have no idea what that means for me. But um, I did two stories yesterday um, comparing uh, this year's draft with uh, drafts around the league and also um, against past Ted Thompson drafts. Some interesting conclusions there, um, based on a long day of research and a whole lot of coffee consumed during that research. Today we're going to continue our position-by-position look back at the season that was, but first, a big announcement by the Packers yesterday, and it has nothing to do with football. Exciting for older guys like me. I'm 40, what the hell am I, 43? Yeah, almost going on 44. Um, Billy Joel will be playing at Lambeau Field this summer. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, He'll be playing at Lambeau on Saturday, June 17th. And according to the press release, in appreciation of the artist and his fans, the Green Bay Packers will honor Billy Joel by making him an official shareholder of the Green Bay Packers. Tickets will go on sale on Friday, February 10th at 10 a.m. You'll have details on that over at Ticketmaster.com or by calling one 800 Seven four five three thousand. Again, once again, tickets on sale on Friday, February tenth, for a concert on Saturday, June seventeenth. And one uh, final note here before we get into the heart of the podcast. A few days ago, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport tweeted that the Packers were expected to be active in free agency. Well, a couple of friends of mine on on the beat. Um, I'm not sure if they want this out there, so I will not name their names. Um, checked out past tweets from from Ian Rappaport, and he's done this. He's had basically the exact same tweet and exact same story the past two or three off seasons as well. So, if you got excited over that tweet, history says that tweet will not be accurate. And I think in your heart of hearts, you probably know that's not accurate. But again, he's tweeted it every year or for every year for at least the last at least the last three years, and nothing has come from it. And I wouldn't expect anything to come from it this year either. All right, to the podcast. Once again, we are going over the wide receivers today, and what a year it was. You know, and, we, and I am as guilty of this as anybody else. 
when we talk about the Packers offense and the passing game, we talk about Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers that, Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers that, and again, that's not to take anything away from, from Rodgers, who's a sensational quarterback, um, arguably the best of this generation, other than maybe Brady, just if you look at Super Bowls. But the guys catching the ball are of uh, not minor importance. And we'll lead off with Jordy Nelson, for obvious reasons. What a year. 97 catches, 1,257 yards, and a league-high 14 touchdown passes after missing an entire season with a torn ACL. Not only did he miss the season with an ACL, he only practiced a bit during training camp. He, he sat out the entire offseason, practiced a little bit in training camp, didn't play in the preseason, and he still caught 97 passes for 1,250 yards and, and led the league in touchdowns. And the longer this season went, the better Nelson went. And I'm sorry if you hear shuffling the papers here. I'm trying to get to the... Uh, here we go. That's what I'm looking for here. During the Run the Table Tour, when he needed your guys to be at your best to win football games, here's what Jordy Nelson did. Philadelphia. 8 for 91. Houston, 8 for 118 and a touchdown. Seattle, 6 for 41 and two touchdowns. Chicago, 7 for 124, no touchdowns, but the 60-yarder to help win the game. Minnesota, 9 for 154 and two touchdowns. Detroit, 6 for 66. That is merely 45 catches during those six games, for 594 yards and five touchdowns. And if you were to put that over the entire season, just for giggles, he'd had 1,584 receiving yards. He'd have caught 117 passes. <laughs> so, I mean, that was just all-world production and you know, I, I had big expectations for this offense coming into the year because of the return of Nelson and the addition of Jared Cook. And we'll get into the, the Cook stuff in tomorrow's podcast. But I had big expectations for the offense as a whole because of those two things. But Nelson exceeded everyone's expectations. I mean, 97 catches. I mean, that is just preposterous what, what he did down the stretch. Now, it wasn't all great. I mean, some of this is based on volume, too. And, and I've got, I'm going to compare 2014 Nelson to 2016 Nelson. Catch percentage. Nelson caught 63.8% this year compared to 64.9 in 2014. Remember, 2014 had, you know, basically 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns. Um, drops. He dropped two this year. The jobs are based are according to stats. He had two compared to four in 2014. Yards after the catch per catch. And this is where you saw the explosiveness go down. Again, not to anyone's surprise. But he averaged 3.5 after the catch this year compared to 5.5 last year. And that led to a reduction in yards per catch. 13.0 this year, 15.5 in 2014. So, less explosive. Which, hey, look, A, it's not surprising. B, we all saw it anyway. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of big plays there. 
really, he only, he only had two long catches all year. The 60-yarder against Chicago. Then he had a 58-yarder against Atlanta midseason. In week three, he had a 49-yarder against Detroit. Remember, in 2014, he had six touchdowns. Six touchdowns of at least 59 yards. This year, he only had one catch of even 60, and that didn't even go for a touchdown. Of course, that won the game at Chicago. But So the big play stuff missing from Nelson, but what a year. And then to top that all off by catching six passes with broken ribs against Atlanta in the championship game, it's unfortunate the Packers lost, because if the Packers win that game, Nelson is the talk of this Super Bowl. It is Rodgers against Brady is topic number one, and then it is... Probably Jordy Nelson, number two, as you did what with broken ribs? A remarkable performance in that game. Um, the, the guts, the talent, um, the toughness. An amazing game to cap an amazing year by Nelson. Up next, Randall Cobb. Actually, I'll do Devontae Adams here. We'll, we'll, we'll go in and catch, based on catching. I was, I was going to do the, the big money guys first, but... We'll, we'll do an order of catches. Adams, 75 catches, 997 yards, 12 touchdowns. Compare that to 2015, when he had 50 catches for 483 yards. And I remember so many, again, I don't, it's hard to judge social media sometimes. Is it just the ticked off minority of fans? Or is it really the consensus of fans? And I don't know. But I, I, there are so many comments, whether it was on my the forums over at Packer Report or on Twitter, the, the emails, whatever. Why is Adams playing? They should get rid of Adams. I mean, there's a lot of fans. And I, I, you know, I, t- I talked about this with you guys a week or two ago. There's a lot of fans who wanted Adams benched last year in favor of Albert Harrison Janis. And they wanted him cut this year. So the Packers could use Everett Harrison Janice. Well, I, I guess McCarthy and Thompson know what they did here. With a great bounce back here. Again, here's, the, here's some, uh, some more um, 15 versus 16 numbers. Catch percentage. This year, Adams, 62.0%. Last year, 53.2%. Drops about the same. Five this year, six last year. But look, he was hurt last year, and, and being hurt shows up in the catch percentage for one. Yak per catch. 5.3 this year, 3.0 last year. Yards per catch, 13.3 this year, 9.7 last year. His, number, his numbers last year were among the worst of any receiver in NFL history. When you look at catch percentage, and uh, yards per catch. But the worst of any receiver ever. And then he bounces back with with, a, with what the season everybody thought he'd have last year, he has this year. Hey, it helps to be healthy, right? You can't play receiver. Well, you can. I mean, he did play last year. But you can't, receiver, you can't play receiver well on a bad ankle. He had a bad ankle last year. You can't push up. You can't cut. It's hard to accelerate, and he's healthy this year, and look what happens. He's a, a terrific young player and is going to be a, a big factor for many, many, many years here in Green Bay. All right, Randall Cobb. 
They got a decision. They got a decision to make on Cobb. Cobb, sixty catches, six hundred and ten yards, four touchdowns. Pretty ho hum numbers, right? And they are. Uh, again, we'll do the 2015 to 2016 comparison here, which shows what why Cobb, while the numbers weren't exceptional, uh, even by his own standards, Cobb I thought was effective this year. And it starts with catch rate. 71.4% this year, 61.2% last year, a gain of 10%. Drops, zero compared to six. Yak. 5.9 to 5.7, so up slightly there. Yards per catch down slightly. 10.2 versus 10.5, but the return of Nelson, the addition of Cook, and a healthy Adams really helped free things up for Cobb. And because Riders had all those weapons, it didn't show up so much in the in the rest of the numbers, but it showed up in those other things I told you. The, the catch rate, he was, he, he was more successful, but Green Bay's got a big uh, dilemma on their hands here with Cobb. This year, Cobb's cap number went from 5.35 million to 9.15. Gosh, Cobb's a good player. There's no, there's no denying that. If you look at the things like catch rate, you know he made the most of his opportunities to use an Edgar Bennett phrase. But his 60 catches for 610 yards is that worth 9.15 million dollars of your salary cap? And if not, well, how can you, or if it is, is it worth the $12.75 million of 2017 and 2018? So his, base salary, his base salary this year is $1.5 million. Goes to $8.6 million for each of the next two years. Oh, man, I, Ted Thompson does not redo contracts. I can't tell you the last time he redid someone's contract. Now, he might cut you, or he might extend you, um, given whether you're a descending or an ascending player, but I do not remember him. I honestly don't remember him ever. Maybe one of you guys will correct me on this here. I don't remember him ever redoing someone's contract. You look at an $8.6 million base salary, Holy crap, and that's a lot of money in $12.75 million. I mean, they, they're in pretty decent shape cap-wise. Not great. I think so many people look at that money and think they're great. They're, they're in decent shape once they, uh, assuming they release, jeez Louise, reduce, gosh, dang it, anyways, release Sam, Sam Shields. Good thing, I, good thing I'm not a radio guy. Um... But they've they, they got a lot of free agents to worry about. And if you're thinking about adding guys, they, they, look, they're, they're, they don't have hardly anybody under contract. So they got a lot of work to do. And that $12.75 million, I mean, there, there's no way anybody can say that Randall Cobb is worth that much money. He is a tough and fearless player. He's a leader. He's a trusted guy. He's got all the intangibles. You know, he had a great game against the Giants. He caught seven passes against the Cowboys. See, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but that is a gigantic cap number. And for that amount of production, that's tough. So a tough decision. I mean, I 
Nolan Todd Thompson, they'll do nothing. And, and Randall Cobb will be back in the starting lineup next year. And he'll catch 70 passes at the $12.7 million cap charge. And we'll be back at this podcast here 12 months from today saying, is Randall Cobb worth $12.75 million again for 2018? But, you know, he's he missed three games this year. And, you know, is it just bad luck that he missed three games? Or is it did he miss three games because, you know, he's taken a lot of punishment in his in his career. I mean, you look at his look at his career numbers here. In 2014, when he earned his contract, 91 catches, 1,287 yards, 12 touchdowns. Average 14.1 per catch. He's gone from 91 catches to 79 in 2015 to 60 in 2016. 1,287 yards to 829 last year, 610 this year. From 12 touchdowns, in 2014, to a combined 10 the past two years. He's trending the wrong way. You know, in, in last year, I thought the stats were down because, you know, everybody in the world knew that he was the guy in the passing game. They had no one else. And maybe they're on about this year because it's the opposite. Rodgers has a million guys to throw the ball to. But, you know, under under any other general manager, I would think that Cobb's contract would be up to get torn up. Of course, and look, it takes two sides, of course, to redo a contract. Randall Cobb could say, screw you, buddy. You cut me. I'll, I'll, get, I'll go play elsewhere. So, and you know what? And if you're Randall Cobb, you probably could do that and laugh your way to the bank because you've already got this signing bonus and you'll get another signing bonus. <laughs> so, I, I don't know how much leverage Thompson has here to do it other than you know, you hope Randall Cobb maybe be a team player and swallow a couple million dollars of money and to sign somebody else. I. It's always it's always a tough deal. I mean, are these guys really team first guys, or is it really hard to swallow your pride and take a pay cut? I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. Answer all of my questions because I ask them right. They're all good questions. All right, Geronimo Allison. What a find. Look, I told you about him back in training camp. He was, there was days in training camp where Allison is running with the number one offense. You say, wow. This kid, they they clearly see something in in this young guy. And he he gets caught, you know, he gets caught up in the numbers. Aberderis gets that final roster spot ahead of Allison. Well, Aberderis gets hurt. And then they release him and promote Allison. And Allison, look, the numbers aren't great, right? I mean, 12 catches, 202 yards. But you look at these last two games. Vikings. Vikings season, I'm talking. Vikings, 4 for 66. And then in the biggest game of his career at Detroit, division championship on the line, a rocking Ford field. Boy, it was loud that night. Ford field's rocking, a tough environment. Is the young guy up to the task? Four catches, 91 yards, one touchdown, a 22.8 yard average. He finishes with a 16.8 yard average. Looking at the four receivers, he caught 64.5% among the top four that achieved with Detroit only Cobb. No drops. His yak was 3.7 per catch, and he led the team at 16.8 yards per reception. 
a, a terrific year. He's 6'3 and a quarter. They don't have anybody like this guy. He's got good hands. Um, he does not shrink from the moment. And, you know, he went undrafted because he ran like a 4'6'40 at the Combine, which is obviously slow, but he made some plays down the field, and, you know, you, you can't coach size, and you know, everyone loves speed. I love speed. You love speed. Ted Thompson probably loves speed, but you also have to coach a team for Lambeau Field. And that, that means, you know what, speed might not be the thing in late November, December, January. You know, size. Size matters. I mean, there's a reason why Ted Thompson has shied away from the small jitterbug, um, scatbackish kind of guys in lieu of big power guys. And that's because, you know, guys like Eddie Lacy are effective in December and January. And look, this team is built with the idea, at least, <laughs> of winning in December and January. So and I think a guy like Allison becomes more and more of a factor in those games. But I mean, what team has a number four court? If you're, if you're going to spread the field, I mean, what team has a defensive back capable of covering Allison off the bench? And probably, you know, probably no one, right? So a very good young player. Jeff Janis, 11 for 93. Remember that springboard game against Arizona in the playoffs where he caught the Hail Mary and had the other big catch in that on the Hail Mary drive? Look, Jeff Janis is not a good receiver. He's big and he's fast, yada, 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 who cares? He's, he's big and he's fast. And I, and I wrote this, I did, my, I did my player grades over a pack report. I, I, this is exactly what I wrote. It's time to put some realistic expectations on Janice. He's not going to be a dependable receiver. But with a seventh-round draft pick that you used for him in 2013, or 2014, yeah, 2014, you got a damn good special teams player out of it. Aren't you happy with that? A little bit of a role player in offense, but a really good special teams player. If you get that in the seventh round, you're happy. So just forget the big and fast stuff and, and just forget that it's never going to pan out on offense. Forget that stuff and just, you know, you, you, got, you got a good player in the seventh round, be happy. He caught nine passes during a four game span Dallas, Chicago, Atlanta, Indianapolis, where he played. 40, 45, 50 snaps in all four of those games. And then that was it. Two catches the rest of the year when he, and he barely played. And then the final and last but least in this Trevor Davis. Three catches, 24 yards for the year. All three of those, all 24 touch yards and the one touchdown against Atlanta midseason. Hit a drop against Indy the next week. Then the turnover on a fumbled punt against Tennessee the week after that. And from that point on, he played just a, he played one snap on offense and a smattering of snaps on special teams. The Packers totally lost faith in the guy, and that was it for Davis. But he's fast. Seems like he has seems like he might have some good hands. I thought, I thought he had a pretty good training camp. He's got to get stronger. He's got to become more polished. But Let's see. I'm going to be very interested to see if Davis can take a step forward and maybe contribute next year. Is that in that in that a uh, a spread the field kind of role, and if he can become a more competent returner? So, kind of a whole home season by Davis. But what did you expect right on a team when you, when you got Nelson, Cobb, 
Adams, Allison emerges. I mean, what, I mean, what, do you, what, do you, what did you expect from Davis? So that is your wide receiver group in a nutshell. And to that, we'll do it for today's episode of Lockdown Packers. Tomorrow, we'll do tight ends. And I got a very good email um, taking the other point of view on, on, what, on what was wrong with the defense and Dom Capers and um, Ted Thompson. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that. Yes, for tomorrow's podcast. So, once again, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Um, once again, check out the rest of the great Lockdown Network with Lockdown Fantasy, Lockdown NFL, and Lockdown NFL Draft and my website, PackerReport.com, which is now owned by CBS. And once again, hope that's good news for me. So, have a great day, everybody. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.